Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Dan Mecca. Um, you just tuned in and uh, we were just talking about me debating doing an Irish accent to start this podcast and I decided against it, though I'm sure I will slip into it throughout today's episode. This is the B-side part of the Film Stage show for the Film Stage website. Once again, my name's Dan Mecca. I'm here today with my friend and producer, Connor O'Donnell. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> Great. Love it. And uh, film stage show cohorts. Uh, I guess, what do you just one of, one of is the yeah, word one of the uh, <laughs> one of my, my favorite parts from the last episode from the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode is you, uh, Michael Snydell, who's our guest today. You went to you were talking about the Manson family and you like forgot the word family you're like the manson <laughs> hmm, like brood group and i was like and i'm like listening i'm like family the manson family um but michael snydell is with us today um and we're recording this episode uh of our b-side actor today uh per your request yes yeah no. was, yeah go ahead no go ahead yeah pierce brosnan has been uh Oh yeah, we're doing Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, we're doing yeah. Pierce. So we're Brosnan. doing Pierce. <laughs> oh, Pierce. We're you know as we do on the B side, we're going to cover sort of his in between movies. Um, I think you know we we're going to talk about a general smattering of them, but the period that we're that we're generally landing on, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, is is after Die Another Day, so post Bond, uh, yeah, pre ABBA, right? So <laughs> after Die <laughs> Another fun. Day, yes, before before <laughs> Mamma Mia. Exactly. Uh, yeah, immediately post Die Another Day. And then the four main ones we talked about were Evelyn, which is December 20, uh, December 02, The Matador, December 05, Seraphim Falls, January 07, and Married Life, which is March 08. And those are obviously U.S. theatrical release dates. You know, some of these played festivals and whatnot. But, um, and then we'll talk about the other ones in there after the sunset, laws of attraction, you know, the classics. Um, <laughs> the ones you so, remember. <laughs> Michael, why, um, why Pierce Brosnan? What, what is it about Pierce? Uh, that's made you want to record a podcast episode, Son. Um, I, you know what? I'm not even pretending to do the Irish thing, but I get the fun <laughs> thing where I was born on March 17th, but not Irish. So every fucker on March on March 17th thinks I'm Irish, but I'm not Irish. So now that's that's out of the way. Um, you mean Snydell's yeah. not an Irish name? <laughs> it is not. Uh, it's what uh, is your word? Yeah, what is, oh, yeah, it's primarily Czech. Right. Um, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, no, Pierce Brosnan is uh, the only person who I had an autographed uh, picture on my wall growing up um, I, of him as Bond. So Bond was so formative for me, like any prepubescent boy. Uh, I, I was born in 91, so the timing just worked out that I just really just grew up with his Bond movies. Uh, uh golden eye tomorrow never dies and the world is not enough and then he just became someone who i was consistently uh fascinated by i i, I think he's one of my favorite actors who i think doesn't have a lot of range 
Um, right. I think that he, yeah, like it's weird because I'm not. Gonna, I don't. I feel like at times I'm going to say some not nasty but less than kind things about some of his acting. But he's a he's a presence I always love, and I kind of love that he can't shake his past and like his main things and um yeah he's he's just he was just that guy growing up for me so yeah i can i can i can totally relate to that and i'm I'm sure connor you can too i mean look for for my money you know when you talk about james bond obviously the standard is that sean connery is the best bond but for me personally Pierce Brosnan is the best James Bond right now. Yeah, I I would agree. You know, that's a personal taste. And I think, you know, my dad, for example, will defend Roger Moore to the cows come home because that was the bond that he loved when he was taking, you know, young ladies out to movies, you know, in the, you know, whatever, the late 70s and the, uh, you know, I guess primarily, yeah, the late 70s, right, when he was, you know, a young adult, right? So it's I do think there's a little bit of that. And I think... Um, Pierce Brosnan as Bond. I think a lot of people don't like. You know, I've, you know, I've listened. You know, I've seen all the Bond movies. Um, and I think the take on him is he was a bit flippant and and whatnot. Um, and then also in other in all, in other moments very melodramatic, uh, sure. which I think kind of speaks to maybe what you're talking about, Michael, which is kind of like who he is as a performer in a lot of these movies um his physical performances are even comparing to daniel craig which is which is fascinating because he's someone you know people talk so much about how much he's like punished and in the daniel craig movies and even still daniel craig never gives a yelp quite like pierce brosnan does at any time as i wrote this i wrote this in my notes and i'll bring it up a couple times as we talk about just the different movies but um for my money a few actors convey like pain the way pierce brosnan does like physical pain like like both for good and bad but there are moments and i i what's not one of our b-sides but my mind went to dante's peak when he fucking gets that like boulder that hits his arm and (laughs) you see the bone and all that and like i like that's like etched into my you know 1995 brain forever uh or when it whenever connor uh, connor a best picture winner can't be a b-side dante's peak (laughs) as you know won the best picture oscar so right um i you know what in the grand scheme of Green Book winning, I'd be okay with that. If someone was like, like if a Dante's Peak movie came out next year, yeah, is and the won, question, yeah, and is won the best question picture, is, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, is Dante's Peak better than Green Book? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's not even a question. Answer, yes. That answers itself. Um, but there, he's, wait, wait, he's just really, for quick trivia. Wasn't there a disaster movie that did win? Or was it at least nominated? Maybe it was the Poseidon Adventure from like I the think 70s you're thinking, I think you're thinking airport? of the, yes, I think you're thinking of the first airport. Airport, yeah. Yeah, early 70s. So there was a time in my life where for one week I watched the first airport and decided I was going to watch all five of them. And I did. <laughs> that, was, that, that must have been videology yep. movie trivia. I watched time. every airport uh, literally five nights in a row. Let me tell you, they get worse. They get worse. And then the last one is 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 about the Concorde, which I don't know, I don't know if you guys even remember the Concorde. Yeah, yeah. But like it, Mach 2, travels at Mach yeah, 2 it went, or whatever. It went from New York to Paris in like three hours. 
in late '90s movies, there are direct references to it in the Parent Trap. I was going to say you're talking to me like I've in, never seen the Parent Trap. Yeah, and <laughs> it, and Connor, a movie we both like, and in the Sabrina remake, yep. they make a direct reference to it because Harrison Ford has to get to Paris before Julia Armand gets there. Anyway, wow. that fifth one is actually pretty entertaining uh, if you ever do what I did, which you shouldn't. But um, I think that's the movie that got nominated for Best Picture, Airport. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, nothing's more horrifying to me than a disaster movie about having to sleep overnight in an airport. So I imagine that's just one of the premises. Well, I imagine you've never seen The Terminal. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever seen Uh, The Terminal? Of course I have. (laughs) The great Steven Spielberg Uh, horror movie, The Terminal. Yes. (laughs) Um, But Pierce. But yeah, Pierce. So Pierce Brosnan, uh, the one and only. Let's let's give you a little. I'm going to give you a little bio. Um, he's from Ireland. I don't know if you got that from our terrible accents. <laughs> Born in 1953 uh, at Her Lady of Lords Hospital in Drogheda, County Louth. That's pretty good, right? Could be worse. Could have been worse. I mean, it could, could always been be ri- worse. Could have been yeah. Richard Gear. Could have been Richard Gear and the Jackal. Could have been Richard Gear and the Jackal. Was it? Oh, um, his father was a carpenter and then and was gone uh, early he was uh he, the father left so he was raised uh briefly by his mother and then mostly by his grandparents actually which is kind of interesting when we get to evelyn um yeah he got married to cassandra harris who's actually one of the female uh stars of for your eyes only which is a roger moore bond movie they got married in 1980, and um, which is about the time for, when For Your Eyes Only came out. And then they moved to L.A., and he had two big television breaks kind of within a couple of years. He was in a very popular miniseries called Manions of America, which is about the great Irish immigration to America during the Great Famine. Um, he's one of the leads in that. Uh, it's like a six-hour miniseries back when, you know, in the early 80s when that was like a big thing. Um, you know, uh, the day after stuff like that. Um, that's actually my mom. I was talking to my mom before we recorded this podcast. That's where she kind of first saw and fell in love with Pierce Brosnan. Um, and then I think like the next year was the first season of Remington Steel, 1982, which I did watch the pilot of. Have you guys ever watched Remington Steel? Only sort of only tangentially. I remember, uh, my older yeah. sister watching it because I remember that, I'm not making this up. I remember her saying this dude should be the next James Bond. And this was like, or this was like early nineties. And, uh, and then I remember like my brother on his birthday with a bunch of friends going to see gold and I, and like thinking about like, Oh yeah, that's Remington steel. Like, well, ironically Remington steel is the reason he wasn't able to be bond in the late eighties, which I think this is pretty well known by this point. He Remington steel was going to get canceled after four seasons and the Broccoli's wanted Pierce to be Bond. And he was like signing the papers. But because, partly because of the media coverage of the Bond news, Remington Steele got extended heat and they decided to greenlight a fifth season. And that contractually obligated him to be in Remington Steele in 87. And so his good friend, Timothy Dalton, ended up getting the role. And it was in, of course, the two movies, Living Daylights and License to Kill. And then all the legal disputes happened in the early 90s. And for six years, Bond was dormant. And then yeah. obviously by 95, he was available and became Bond. So 
It's kind of interesting because I, th- I think a lot of people thought that when Remington Steel came out. One thing that I thought was cool, did you, do you guys know what Remington Steel is about? No, but I, be- I believe you're going to tell us. <laughs> so I didn't know this. This is, I mean, I mean, whatever. This is now, you know, it's kind of silly to get excited about it, I suppose, 37 years later. But basically, it's this female private investigator, private detective, sets up her shop but isn't getting clients because she's a woman. So she invents a guy, a, 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 a fake person called Remington Steele, uh, to like be her quote-unquote boss, but it's really her who's solving the cases, and he's just this like figurehead that doesn't exist. But then, of course, hmm. she needs somebody to pretend to be this person, and she enlists a young Pierce Brosnan to do it. Kind of a kind of a cool yeah. premise. I mean, super I, I watched the up, pilot, but like, well, but, but, but no, with but a I mean, point, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, but the sh- the show obviously thinks it's fucked yeah, up, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like the show is, you know. So I, I think I, I don't know. I was kind of I never. That was one of those shows I never really you hear about and you go like, oh yeah, that show, okay, Remington sure. Steel, and you almost think it's like, oh yeah, it was Bond before Bond, like. People I, were saying I always, Pierce should be. Bond, I always just thought it was like, yeah. I always just thought it was like Pierce Brosnan's Magnum PI. Like that's what I like had in my head. Right, and I think I mean I would imagine the construct, like you know, like many shows, becomes a lot like that, of course. But I think the setup's quite interesting. And another funny thing about the show, if you look on IMDb, every episode title is a pun on steel. So like oh every episode title has steel in it. So the pilot episode is called License to Steal. And then, you know, like Steal Your Heart, whatever. You know, you get it. Um, Foreshadowing so for every one-liner in James Bond. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, he had some. I mean, I love his Bond movies. He has some. When you go back, he's got some doozies for one-liners. Like, woof. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I guess so just in terms of those, you know, he didn't make a lot of movies, of course, in the 80s because he was a TV star. His first starring role was in Mr. John McTiernan's first movie from 1986, a little movie called Nomads, uh, in which he plays a French anthropologist. Oh, and he is trying that French accent. And I really think it. You know, Connor said on the last episode we talk a lot about accents uh, on this podcast, but wh- I mean, this is just an attempt. God bless him. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> There's there. You Connor, know you funny. watched some of this movie, right? So, so this is the best part. Is I I said before we started recording that like I I didn't get to finish it, but I was watching like a little bit of it, and I was watching it late at night, so I actually had the volume on low with the subtitles on, and so I was like, yeah, okay. Like I like I had no oh, like. Well, you know what's funny? In the movie, I was thinking about this. He he so okay, McTiernan's first movie, only the year the only the next year, 87, is Predator. Right? So this is not unlike, you know, you know, Michael Mann, his second movie is The Keep. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of similar in that way, where it's like almost a lost supernatural thriller that these great directors made in between or right before they became who they now are, right? So wasn't the keep supposed to be some type of, not coping method, but it had some larger emotional connection for well, Michael Mann? I don't know. I mean, I know that that he delivered a cut that was quite a bit longer okay. than what ended up getting released. And if you watch the keep, um, 
it's very clear they yeah, cut a lot. It out. feels it sure. feels like whole whole yeah. pieces are missing. Yeah. Yeah. Now Nomads isn't quite the same. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Um it's very kind of sloppily put together. The basic premise is uh Leslie Ann Down is a doctor who encounters this French guy who's basically dying, Pierce Brosnan in the first scene. Right as he basically dies, he whispers something in her ear. And then what the rest of the movie is, is basically Leslie and Down reliving the final memories of Pierce Brosnan's character's life with his wife, where he's this anthropologist who moves to Los Angeles with his wife. And they basically begin to get harassed by this like punk biker gang led that by Adam Ant, right? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you that you find out are these like Inuit spirits, like these mischievous spirits from you know, like up in the north, um, which is very problematic, so at least. <laughs> and um, they're just basically since Pierce Brosnan has discovered who they are, they're terrorizing him so that he doesn't reveal them to the world essentially. Um, and Leslie and down is like been passed to this burden essentially. Um, so there are moments and obviously not unlike the keep or, you know, when we talk about these kind of earlier movies from, from very fantastic directors, it looks quite nice. There are a couple of beautiful shots. There's a couple a shot in particular where he's kind of in a room and it's lit. There's a purple, aesthetic that that is is really beautiful right like so there are flourishes to be sure but you know pierce is the wrong actor for the lead you could almost guess that they cut around the accent because he actually doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie um leslie and down was a very beautiful actress didn't really you know had a moment but never became you know um a household name necessarily for any length of time she's pretty good in it um but it's very forgettable and has a uh, very silly ending that I guess I won't ruin. I mean, it's just just funny uh, more than anything. But, you know, it's cool to watch. I, I, I really like watching movies like that because it does kind of speak to where these filmmakers come from and where sure. these actors come from. I mean, you can tell Pierce Brosnan and, you know, you know, he wanted to do something different. Like he was playing a television character for a few years. Gerard Depardieu was in consideration for the role, which I'm, I'm sure would have been a better choice given the Frenchness of it. But, I also, um, well, I was going to say it's like it's casting Pierce and still keeping the the French part of it is interesting because it's like, was there a shortage of handsome French actors? Like, do you know, like I like I know that before you landed yeah. on Pierce, like it's so bizarre. Well, he's so yeah. rarely Irish, from what I can think. Like, other than. Well, I, I guess. Uh, like, I, mean, I, he, I mean, I guess he's European in a lot of things, but uh, there's very few things off the top of my head I can think of him being Irish. Daniel, I know you're about to name like five things that make no, you feel no. like an asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think it's he's funny because he's, you know, it's funny actually. He's a lot like, I think, um, Sean Connery, where Connery um, played plenty of characters who are not Scottish but always basically sounded Scottish and is very proud of that heritage. And I think Brosnan's the same way. Like he'll play many characters who aren't Irish and, and you know, in these movies we'll talk about a couple of them. He's definitely not Irish, obviously, Sure. but um, he's very, very proud 
of his Irish heritage, even to the point where he's been very critical of kind of, you know, he was basically raised in the church, was an altar boy, but is very critical of the Catholic church, but still by is basically considers himself kind of deep in prayer and, you know, his Irish Catholicness is important to him. So, you know, it's interesting how kind of two of those bond men have kind of that similar thing where I don't think he can ever really escape his Irish accent, even when he's doing something else. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, look, he makes nomads, nothing really happens with that. Um, he's going to be bond. Remington's season five happens. He's not bond. He has a couple, he's in the fourth protocol with Michael Kane. He's in a couple other star vehicles that don't really go anywhere. He makes a Bruce Beresford movie called Mr. Johnson, which got, which gets good notices, but, it's basically the driving Miss Stacy follow up. Nobody sees it, um, and then he really like <laughs> Lawnmower Man comes out and gets some notice, and then basically by the mid nineties he's in movies and he's already kind of becoming a character actor. He's a Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, I was going to say. I think I think that's I think that's probably my first exposure to him. Agreed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it has to be for all of us, I imagine, right? Yeah, Lawnmower Man. Yeah, Lawnmower Man 92 makes 32 million. And then, really, yeah, like Mrs. Doubtfire, he's, you know, he's the other guy. And then Love Affair in 94, which we briefly talked about when we did Warren Beatty, he's the other guy. You know, so like right before Bond and The Mirror Has Two Faces, 96, after he's Bond the first time, he is. Wait for it. The other guy. So like he's, you know, it's funny how he, he like makes that turn in his career, then becomes Bond. And then by the late nineties is like getting starring roles again, you know? Um, but uh, it's, I think it is fascinating too. I, I mean, I just want to mention my personal experience. Maybe you guys have a different one, but my mom just really liked Pierce Brosnan. Like she was one of the, he was one of those actors that like if he was in something, my mom would see it, even if it was even out of her comfort range. All, all moms, yeah. all moms did. Mine. I think all moms, sure. yeah, yeah, my all mom moms, too. Yeah. But there were definitely things I saw where it was like it was not at all a normal thing I would see, but it was Pierce Brosnan, so we were gonna see it anyway. It was James Bond in it, so we'd see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like for instance, I don't remember my mother really swooning over any many actors when we would watch movies like redford was redford was definitely one of them um but douglas and american president is the one that comes to mind interesting (laughs) i uh well it's just it's it's a known fact that all moms are annette benning so it's uh no but um no but I remember like watching Goldeneye on VHS and my mom would just like watch with me and she would just remark every once in a while like, oh, he's so handsome. Like it would just, you know, <laughs> which like watching these movies we're about to talk about, I couldn't help but just, you know, even when he's not, oh, yeah. even when he's like really not sticking the landing sometimes, you're just like, oh, but he's, of course he should have like been a bigger movie star because he's so handsome. Like, sure. I remember my mom pulling me into like the family room and like being excited to show me the opening of Goldeneye. It's so good. Because mm-hmm. it's so good where he jumps off, he catches up to the plane, and then is able to fly it. I mean, that's still one of my favorite. It's I a mean, great like, stunts, yeah. Pound for pound, Goldeneye is my favorite Bond movie. Um, the obvious re- obvious rebuttal to that is 
Yeah, and also the video game, which I can't deny. I love the video game, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm happy to admit the video game is part of that. But It's like a cultural, just a general cultural kind of saturation, I feel like, in the mid like mid to late 90s. Sure. Yeah, and it was Martin Campbell's first Save the Bond series movie, that and Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, they, sh- they yeah. should bring him back. And, you know, I, I – yeah, you know, we'll see. I, um, I recently um, – Rewatched Mars Attacks, uh, and he's actually really good in it. Pierce is, like, yeah, Pierce is really funny as I the think. professor. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. um, he's really having a good time hamming it up. Him and him and Sarah Jessica Parker are uh, two of the better parts of that movie, actually. Um, and then of course Dante's Peak, Tomorrow Never Dies, featuring a small role from one Gerard Butler, who he would then star, co-star with in a movie we'll talk about later called Shattered. Tomorrow Never is, Dies has Gerard Butler. Yeah, he's like one of the. He's like a henchman. Oh, he's one you, of the. Okay, he's all right. One of one of like many henchmen in the movie. He's one young, of the toughs. Young Jerry B. Um, before he was saving the president. The hunter killer himself. The hunter killer himself, and then ninety nine he reunites with McTiernan for one of McTiernan's best movies, oh, the remake God. of the Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, so I mean, it's good. one of. It's probably <laughs> one of both of their best. Like it's. I mean, yeah. it's got to be top two for each of I don't you know. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, he makes Grey Owl in 1999, which I have seen. It's directed by, I believe, Richard Attenborough. and That's kind of a Last it, Samurai type situation, isn't it? Yeah, but, the, well, but, yeah, the movie is about that, though. It would be like okay. if The Last Samurai was an examination of... Colonialism? Like, the whitewashing, right? Okay. Like, like white Because basically, and, he yeah. plays a real guy... Okay. Who was believed to be basically a hustler and a liar. And the movie's kind of on that guy's side, but also very critical of him. And it's, you know, definitely... I mean, look, this is the thing about Pierce. He really takes swings. And I think, to your point, Michael, I don't know that he has the... I don't know that he has the chops for the swings he takes. And I think Grey Owl is kind of a good example of that. Um but I really do admire that he takes the swings. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's one sure. thing about him as we as we're going through this that you kind of have to appreciate. Um, November '99, the world is not enough. I remember having a birthday party where we went to go see the world is not enough, and I loved it. And I still love the world is not I enough. I still, yeah, I still have a pretty soft spot for it actually. One There's... of the best, one of the best theme songs by Garbage. Yeah, love that theme yeah. song. Yeah. And I kind of I dig the I I really dig the uh, the Robert Carlyle villain. I think it's kind of cool. Grave villain, the yeah. dude who can't feel anything or whatever. Yeah, because the bullet's slowly going to the middle yeah. of his brain. I'm gonna Dumb probably in the I'm best gonna possible way. I'm gonna put it on <laughs> after we're done recording. Probably we just talked about Carlyle, uh, who's in the beach, when we talked about Leo. Yeah. Oh, I, I just saw the beach this this year. Uh, the beach. Oh, what'd you think of the beach? Yeah. What'd you think? I, I liked it. I was not expecting where it was going. and I was, I was less into that, but uh, I, I kind of like for a while where Leo's just completely off his rocker and how deranged that movie gets and the fun like video game <laughs> shit it does yeah, for a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we talked about we talked about the video game part. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so you know a a a, a, a movie we could have done as a b-side that's pretty great the tailor of panama the john borman movie um which is basically bon, is basically brosnan playing 
what if James Bond was a real spy? He would be an evil, maniacal son of a bitch. That's basically what the Terrell of Panama is. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's very good. Um, based on a John LeCrae novel, uh, like I said, John Borman, great director. Um, and then Die Another Day, which is lambasted now, um, but was a huge hit at the time. Kind of famously has the invisible car and the Madonna cameo and the windsurfing. The, the wind, the, yeah, the windsurfing. And then, um, isn't the villain is like, is like he's Korean, but then he's white, or isn't yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. He, he gets a reconstruction. Face. Yeah, he gets <laughs> his like. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in that movie. Um, <laughs> I've uh, seen all of the Bond movies so many times. Like I'm almost embarrassed how many times I've seen Die Another Day. I've probably seen it twenty five to fifty times. Like it was just it was just that age for me. Like there was yeah, no I, way. I I saw it. Die Another Day for me at the time felt like like a second movie going experience of like Batman and Robin to me, like just a, just like a franchise that like, you know, you're a little kid and you start getting into it with, you know, this set of movies or whatever. And you just, by the time you get to the fourth one, you're like, Oh, this is what like heavy disappointment feels like where you're just like, you're like, I don't even really know that much about movies, but like, I know that this is bad. That said, uh, there was definitely, there was definitely a time I think, you know, especially with like the onset of the Craig Bond movies, like where I revisited Die Another Day and I kind of was like, oh, I would dig another one of these movies. Like I would dig just like another like sure. straight up crazy cartoonish James Bond movie. I mean, it's it's Moonraker. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? No, 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 it, no it, sure. Yeah, Which it's, like it's, even it's that, one of the silly Bond yeah. movies. Yeah. And even even Moonraker, like I kind of like had in my brain for a while is like, I just never need to watch it again. And then I actually like a year ago, I rewatched it and I was like, ah, you know, it's <laughs> I kind of like it. Like it's yeah, Rosamund I mean, like, Pike as well. Like yeah. 10 yeah. years, yeah. But 10 plus years before Gone Girl. Yeah. Do you me- do do we want to do you remember what her name is? In, uh, as the it's Bond girl in something Frost, day. right? Yeah, yeah, Miranda Frost. Miranda Frost. Yikes! I believe it's Miranda Frost. Uh, I mean, the honestly, gone, the, the girl grand, who's in, gone. Yeah, in the grand scheme of Bond <laughs> girl names, that's not the worst. That's fine. No, keep it. No, like, not even close. Yeah, not even close. Um, and then, so only a couple weeks after that movie, Die Another Day, and released also by MGM, is a little movie called Evelyn. Directed by Bruce Beresford, um, though Bruce Beresford is Australian, so he would not—he's not Irish. But the movie Evelyn, he is about Ireland, and pro- i mean, what? Probably, I guess, other than other than uh, Manions of America, I mean, this has to be Pierce's most Irish movie, right? He—he's playing. This was a big passion project for uh, Pierce Brosnan. He's playing. Desmond Doyle, who's a real guy yeah. in Ireland, who basically had to fight for the right uh, to raise his children after his wife left. And the Children Act of 1941 basically said if you weren't able to get to financially, consent. right, yeah. and to get the consent of the Both other parents. parent and not financially capable of taking care of your kids, which is initially how he loses the kids in the movie, at least. Sure. Um, The church takes over the kids, right? So 
this is, you know, you see this in a movie like Philomena from more recently, right? You know, yeah, this is yeah. a common kind of, you know, look, the church being the church, right? And the idea that the, you know, the Irish government and the Catholic church basically had, you know, an agreement. And a lot of these kids ended up getting taken from their parents or parent. And Desmond Doyle was, you know, the kind of linchpin case that ended up kind of overturning this, uh, this law. And that's what the movie's about. And, you know, I, I saw it many years ago and Same. I was generally underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and upon rewatch, I thought it was kind of a lovely movie. I call me get soft in my old age, but I, I found it I found it really nice. I mean, it's kind of you know, as someone who's raised Catholic, I liked how it handles Catholicism, where it's showing you obviously kind of the inherent evil in the system and systemic Catholicism. And you have these, you know, you know, you have a mean nun and you know this system that's just inherently not morally right but everyone you know everyone's basically going along with it but also you have this evelyn is the name of desmond doyle's daughter he has uh, i believe two sons and a daughter and you know she has this faith that the movie leans on in a positive sure. light right which i like i i i appreciate that in in films when you know what i mean they're not just you know, saying, can you believe this terrible fucking thing? And you know how terrible all these people were, right? It's basically like, you know, there is good intention within this inherently kind of shitty, you know, morally bankrupt situation right now. Obviously this story heavily dramatized uh, yeah. for the movie. Um, but I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, it's kind of a shame. It didn't really make any money. It obviously was released in such a way that it was meant to generate Oscar buzz. It didn't, of course. Um, and yeah, I, you know, you can tell how important the movie is to Pierce Brosnan. I mean, it's very, it's very soulful. I, I upon rewatch, I was pleasantly surprised how much I liked it. What'd you guys think? I think it gets. I mean, it gets a little maudlin for me. I think like the, the it it almost veers I think especially at the very end post the grandfather dying and the sunlight thing the the quote unquote angel God rays, rays. Or, yeah, yeah, angel rays that, yeah that that type stuff no that's yeah. what I like that. no it just it <laughs> got a little nice. it got a little too touched by an angel for me a little bit and it, I think it also had to do with the way it was shot I think the movie almost pivots when it gets into those moments where it just sure. looks a little too glossy and it uh i i don't know though i by and large by and large i liked it uh but there were moments spe- specifically the way it handles the end that that i i was not really down with um that said i also think you know i agree with you considering like at the time i think it handles the way it treats sort of the institution of the catholic church uh I, I think it's it's interesting because it doesn't necessarily pull its punches. That said, I feel like if this same movie got made today, it because I, I think this movie carries like with it an undercurrent of something like far more sinister because of like things that have come out since about the Catholic Church during this time. For sure. And and how they were abusing children. Um, so all I could think about while this was happening is that like off screen, just his kids were just getting the shit abused out of him. <laughs> and like... <laughs> I, it's it, it had something way more sinister in the back of my head um 
that you know obviously goes far beyond like one mean nun who like you know throttles the kid but um mostly i think i i basically liked it i mean it's it's definitely i i was with it the whole time it's pretty compelling um i really dug the dynamic between pierce brosnan and aiden quinn actually yeah um, aiden quinn basically plays like a you know some version of i kind of the other man um but it's cool. I think it's cool that the movie doesn't really turn him into that. Uh, basically, they're both sort of vying for the attention of Juliana Margulies, who is a, a local barkeep. And, and cannot do an accent at all. No, it's so tough. And here, <laughs> you know here's what, the weird thing. Hang on. Is it just me or is Brosnan's accent bad in this movie? It's a little no. weird. It's, it's, it's kind of sing-songy, right? It's like a little... No, he's doing a working class but it, Irish But thing. it feels really like... Hi, 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 hi. No, but like, hang on, this I, is yeah, this is interesting to me about Julianne Margulies because I don't know that I disagree with the accent. Obviously, I do think there's, you know, look, Irish accents are are famously hard to do, right? Hmm. I do think, though, she gives a good performance still right now. Yeah, I would agree. Because you know, yeah. when we we talked about Meg Ryan, we mentioned her thirty minutes in Restoration. And how it's it's a really very, you know, poor accent. And I do think that hurts the performance, you know, more than some subpar accents. In this case, I it didn't really bother me. Like I it felt they it felt they had fairly good chemistry. Um the character obviously is not given much to do, but I did feel for a 90-minute movie, which is so focused on obviously this daughter. And this father, she does a lot with a little, sure. Juliana Margulies. And um, it kind of reminded me of the Newton Boys. She's in the Newton Boys, yeah. which was the Linklater movie from only a couple years before this. And similarly, she's kind of left in a lurch, but does a lot with it. And it does kind of speak to she's one, another one of those people where you, you kind of wonder why she didn't go from ER to like... I mean, obviously, she had a great career. She's fantastic in The Good Wife. I mean, right? I'll, I'll, or no? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you can't really, you know, I, I, this is not me feeling bad for her. I mean, sure, she's had a sure. Fantastic career. I just mean when you see her in a movie like this, you kind of go. I guess my point is even with a subpar accent, maybe. I, I think she does light up the screen when she's on screen. Yeah, I, I, you know, I guess the thing that it was more, more about the accent too is some of that just like took away from the realism that I was already not feeling was super, uh, sorry, that's super realistic. Like I just felt like there was a, there's a weird kind of middle ground this finds between like middle brow and then like inspirational. And I think like Connor, I think like you, I wanted a little bit more procedural. I found in the, in the final scenes that I really did want to know Wait, how did they actually argue this? I don't believe that they just quoted this prayer. Right. Like, like, no, like exactly. Just, it, it's it's definitely it's such compelling. a weird balance. Yeah, it's definitely compelling as a procedural, I think. And even the personal stuff in, in between, like I said, like like that moment, I think, at the racetrack with him and Aiden Quinn is really nice. Yes. Where, you know, they're talking about Julietta Margulies. And it's nice because they don't – It the movie doesn't make it a thing – it doesn't become this like huge drama. It's just this really nice moment where it's like, so how's it going with Bernadette then? Great. In fact, I asked her to come back to America with me when the case is over. Oh, really? Hmm. What's she say? She says she'd think about it. I asked her to move in with me. 
Oh, really? Yeah. What did she say? She said she'd think about it. <laughs> well, who knows what she'll do? Fatimah Mansions versus the USA. Tough choice. You know, it's like this great little nice, uh, charming moment. Um, yeah. And I think that's all fine. Um, but I think I, I agree with you, Mike. I think it, it the only reason it hinders the movie is because I feel like the movie can't make up its mind necessarily like the kind of movie it wants to be. Um, like there's like there's one shot uh, that felt really weird to me. There's this setup when Evelyn is on the I think it's Evelyn on the um on the witness stand and it does this bizarre setup where it starts pulling back. And I thought it was going to pull back to Pierce Brosnan, but it's just this pull back to this wide shot that exists for no other reason than they could. Like, like it's just probably cause they were paying for the space and they were like, look, we have a whole courtroom. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's just some of that, like uh, the kind of um, just uh, too, I, I, I'm going to say soggy, I guess, like a certain sogginess to the camera. Well, that's movement. a good word for it. Soggy, yeah. I think. Yeah. But and it's I, I was less bothered with like the maudlinness than than us dealing with such like things that didn't need, necessarily need to be black and white. Like making the evil nun is like such a family film thing. Sure. When it did have something intro. Like I found the stairs thing. I found that really interesting and like even though you have the really dumb like other solicitor who's a character actor i can't remember off the top of my head but um yeah who's what? like just over overtly just like evil. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly he's like he's like kevin spacey from a time to kill you know where you're just like bro okay we get it you're the bad guy my god right. it's a child um, chill yeah yeah, yeah. um the other I thing thought... too sorry real quick no go ahead what like what about the other kids like yeah, so yeah. Desmond Doyle has three has three kids. The name of the movie is Evelyn, <laughs> and he has Connor. two sons. Like, so what about those kids? Like, we never really cut to them. I think no. there's. I earnestly, I think there is basically one shot in all of this where they cut away to them when they're not with Pierce Brosnan. Like, sure, where they you sh- wanted to see you wanted to see more of the boys with the Irish Catholic brothers, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah of wanted? course, dude. After your course. comment, <laughs> after your comment, no, before. But, that's I think that's almost what what spurns my comment before is that like I like we never see them and just yeah. and now knowing what we know. Right. You're just no, like, I think you guys I think you guys are right. It's soggy for a movie that you feel like if they shot it right, maybe like think about this. Imagine this movie. Right. Filmed um, in Academy ratio, 80 minutes long. Oh. Right. Oh, God. Right. No, 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 no. But this is meant to be. Sure. Uh, this is kind of when you're talking about it. What I'm thinking is like, for sure, you're you're right. Right. This is a story where it's like, there's another way to do this. There's two other ways to do this. Right. There's you know there's a there's a two hour patch Adamsy. Right. Like, okay, you add another thing, it becomes a love triangle. <laughs> the alcoholism is a bigger deal. Right. Like, sure. He doesn't really Ev- quit, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no. He like Well, it's that it's it's that like Irish thing of back. quitting. Well, no, no, it's the Irish thing of, of, of stopping drinking means you only have beer. Right? Yeah. Like, it's like that. But um but it's somewhere in between, right? It's like you could do some sort of like down and dirty 
you know, really dig into the grains of this man and this daughter and focus it. And you don't have any sweeping shots. You don't have any speeches about prayer and, you know, the light coming in. That's the grandfather. You know, you don't have any of that. Sure. Right. Or you have all of it. And I do think a lot of Beresford's movies are in the middle. Like really, truly, if you like Driving Miss Daisy is a great example. Right. You know, this is a great example. Even something like Double Jeopardy, which is like a bigger hit of his, is a weird mix of tones. And when you think back to his early movies, like Tender Mercies, right, was an early one of his, mm. which, which you know, got Duval an Oscar. That's that's a more raw movie, right? And I think, you know, like a lot of filmmakers, as he got more into the world, things got a little puffier. And I think Evelyn is one of those movies. I don't think it really bothered me that much. I think so. Uh, Sophie Vavasor, who's the young girl, she gives a you know for for a young child actress I think she gives a quite a uh, nice performance. Yeah, agreed. Always great to see Alan Bates in a movie. This was the same year he was the Nazi bad guy from in the Sum, Sum of All, all fears. fears. Yeah, which is a great <laughs> yeah. villain performance. He's, his character is a great a great little character, the sort of pugnacious rugby lawyer. Like, I, I, yeah. oh yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he's really one of those, charming. He, he's one of those actors who doesn't quite get enough. He he, he gives. One of my favorite performances ever in a movie called um, An Unmarried Woman from the late 70s, uh, which was the um, the movie, uh, I think it's Paul Mazursky movie. Um, oh, okay. And uh, Jill Clayburg. Yes, star. that's, um, yeah. Good movie. Like, yeah, okay. good movie and a great performance by Alan Bates. He's like a, he's like a kind of a manic artist in that movie. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, this movie kind of doesn't do anything, which is kind of a shame. Produced by Pierce Brosnan's uh, production company, Irish sure. Streamtime. Um, and, I mean, look, this is the beginning of the post-Bond, what's Pierce Brosnan going to be? <laughs> sure. So, so basically 18 months or so go by, and he makes a movie called Laws of Attraction with Julianne Moore. Um, I rewatched this movie for this podcast. Um it is very bad. Uh, <laughs> Full stop. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we don't. It's they're divorce lawyers, uh, Pierce Brosnan and Julian Moore, and they end up being on opposite sides of a lot of different high-profile divorces in New York City. And guys, guess what happens? They fall in love. Pierce Brosnan's hair is great in the movie, though. Oh, he is stunningly good-looking. Uh, in the movie, me and Kelly were watching it, and, and we both had to pause at one point. I'm looking at the Marvel. poster, and like he's just yeah. being kind of a charming cat, they, and she's they trying have, to maybe push him yeah. away, but she's laughing. She <laughs> loves him. Well, check. How about this? She's a little uptight, and he is a rapscallion. And does the third act, does the second to third act take, take place in Ireland? Spoiler alert. Yes, it does. Um, I think it's interesting too, as a as an early film for Aline Brosh McKenna, uh, the the writer. Right, she wrote. wrote oh, she went on to write some pretty pretty big, uh, you know, I guess rom coms that are now out of fashion. But you know, The Devil Wears Prada, Twenty Seven Dresses, Morning Glory, and then she was a major part of Crazy Ex Girlfriend. So she certainly went on oh, yeah, to have a, a very good strong, writer. Yeah. But I mean, look, this is the thing. I mean, look, and this is kind of where I always get a little. And I think you guys even talked about this. You know, when Chernobyl became a big hit, people made a lot about Craig Mazin being the creator of the show and how like, 
oh, this guy, this guy who wrote the Hangover sequels and Senseless, like, this is the guy who, who, I can you believe it? And it's like, yeah, bro. Like, this is what writing in Hollywood, right? I mean, you, you write stuff and yeah. it's, you know, the, it is blueprint only, right? I mean, unless you are Aaron Sorkin, Quentin Tarantino, you know what I mean? Like, you can name them, right? Steve Zalian. You know, and even, and even, and even, speaking of, Steve Zalian gets his shit taken and rewritten by who? Aaron Sorkin, Moneyball, right? right. You know what I mean? Like, sure. So, so my point is like, you know, she writes Three to Tango, which is the famous Matthew Perry Salma Hayek movie. Who could forget? <laughs> um, Nineteen ninety nine. If we ever I mean, do we like, be, no, 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 not Salma Hayek. Three to Tango. Three to Tango is Nev Campbell, bro. Nev Campbell and Wait, what am I thinking of? You're thinking of Fools Rush In. Oh, <laughs> come on, dude. Talking to me like I don't know my you Perry. Are, well, Matthew Perry is in Three to Tango. Yeah, no, I know. Yes. Oh, you're oh you're saying yes, Salma Hayek, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nev Campbell, star of Skyscraper. Um Three to Tango, Laws of Attraction, Delver's Product, 27 Dresses, Morning Glory, which is great. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. Also starring Pierce Brosnan, in which we learn how she does it. Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker. Um but so reunion, we bought a zoo since Mars it's a attacks. Mars attacks reunion. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess my point is simply, I think when you talk about screenwriters, you know, it's always important to remember they have so little control so much of the time. I, I agree. You know, you know, so that's just something I just always find it in this age of let's talk about every single thing forever. You know, the Craig Mazin thing with Chernobyl kind of made me laugh. Cause it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I think every writer who's getting paid in Hollywood probably has a has a Chernobyl, right? Like, you know, one out of a hundred, you know, are able to get it made, of course. Um, but yeah, Laws of Attraction didn't do much at the box office. Um, you know, I think it's just one of those. You know, it speaks to what was going to happen, which is that type of movie is now going to be on Netflix, right? Or not, not around at all. That same year, speaking of Salma Hayek, he makes the Brett Ratner picture after the sunset. The, the masterpiece. Um, <laughs> the masterpiece. I also rewatched it for this. Um, both New Line movies, which is interesting. Did, you, is did you just basically go through Pierce's whole filmography when we knew we I, were going to do I this? I got to tell you, guys, I watched a lot of Pierce. <laughs> I, I really went, I went deeper. I think I truly went deeper, I think, than I've gone for any of these episodes and i think part of it was i got kind of obsessed with how prolific he is and he only gets more prolific like we'll talk about it but after the sunset is basically kind of a modern day mtv update essentially of uh to catch a thief kind of don't, um don't they sure. reference it like overtly oh, oh, in, in in such an annoying so woody harrelson plays this agent who is trying to catch this master thief pierce brosnan uh or master thieves pierce brosnan and salma hayek who have stolen the second of these three diamonds and they are basically retired but woody harrelson still convinced they're going to steal the third diamond and it's just about you know is that going to happen you know, and they make a direct reference to the so to catch a thief, Hitchcock kind of late period Hitchcock movie, Cary Grant, the twist into Catch a Thief. Spoilers for that uh, sixty fucking five year old movie, is that um 
you think the person who committed this crime is Cary Grant and then at the end you realize that he was telling the truth and it was this other person, right? So it's a bait and switch at the end of the movie, which I'm sure killed when that movie came out. I, I, like, like, that, you, I like that movie a lot. Yeah, that movie is okay, but but if you think about it in the context of the time, I bet audiences were like, what? <sighs> kind of like Witness for the Prosecution, where at the end they, if you ever watch that movie, at the end they tell they tell the audience not to tell people the ending. Yeah, it's literally. Really? They, there they, were like a, yeah. yeah, there were like a few movies that did that back then. At the like, end of Witness for the Prosecution, they're like, "Whatever you do, do not tell people what happens at the end yeah. of Witness for the Prosecution." Yeah, they did that. Like, if you if you go back and you look, if you watch uh, like Diabolique does that, like it ends and it's oh great, yeah. it's like don't be a devil, don't spoil the movie for other people. But you gotta like, say in French. The original but, does or the remake? I don't know about the remake, but the original definitely. Uh, the original does. does. Yeah. Okay. Who play? Hey, who plays a cameraman in the remake? J. J. Abrams, baby. <laughs> that movie is uh, not good. Um, <laughs> I forgot Naomi Harris is one of the leads in After the Sunset. Yeah, she. So the best part of After she's like the local police. Yeah. Um, Don Cheadle has like a two scene role as a not really villain. You know, he's kind of in it for a minute. I guess. Because he was in Rush Hour too, so I guess maybe he had a had a, a friendship with uh, Brett Ratner back then. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just not. It should be kind of a fun movie, and there are parts that are fun, but it's just kind of never. I mean, look, Brett Ratner gets a lot of shit for being a horrible person, but also not a very talented filmmaker. And it's one of those things where this is kind of a good example of that all the pieces are there, and it just doesn't come together. And um, I don't know who else you blame. You know what I mean? I think <laughs> the only really memorable part of it is that Woody Harrelson and Pierce Brosnan actually have really great chemistry as like cat and mouse. And they kind of befriend each other in the movie while angling for each other. And those scenes are the best scenes. Um, and I suppose Naomi Harris just like becoming who, you know, the great actress that she now is. Uh so then th- both those movies underperform and then probably one of his best performances, right, is December 05, uh, a movie called The Matador. Our ne- uh, yeah, our next B-side. Our, our next movie, which directed by Richard Shepard, who just directed the very controversial The Perfection for Netflix. I reviewed that of- for the site. <laughs> Wait, and you didn't, you didn't like it, right? I did uh, not, no. I, I really liked his stuff – I liked his work on girls a lot to bring up bring up a lot of TV work. I apologize, but uh, I was a real fan of his work on girls. But I, I think I think Shepard as well, like this also is very much a showcase for what I like and dislike about him as a director. I mean, speaking of veering wildly, I mean, this movie goes from like sex farce to raunchy thriller but raunchy raunchy thriller sounds like a, a thing that couldn't two words i could put together <laughs> i don't yeah i, don't know I mean this never, movie ever become this never becomes a thriller no it's though, kind right? of i think this I, I i i see what you're saying look it, it, well, i guess i just mean the psychological like uh, almost pot boiler aspect even if they're kind, never actually kind running. of i so i wrote in my notes that this movie feels and I don't mean this in a bad way because I, I do like this movie. I think 
uh, I think this, I, I would agree with you, Dan. I think this is probably Brosnan's best performance. The dude is just like untapped in this movie or unplugged rather in this movie. I, I think it's one of his best. I actually, I'm going to say which one oh, in a couple of years um, down the road is his best. But anyway, continue. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is, it's definitely right up there, but I do think kind of, and it, it is a backhanded compliment, but it, this movie feels like Shane Black light. Mm. Um, I feel, cause it's so, it's so, it's set Christmas, one thing, but I also feel like it juggles so many different tones between like deathly serious, but also like raunchy and funny and weird that I, I almost wish, uh, I could see like what this would be like in, in maybe hands like Shane Black's, um, mm. I, I would just be very curious. I do, li- I do like the movie as it is. Basically, I think, I think, uh, Brosnan and Kinnear have pretty good chemistry together. Um, basically, the movie is just about this hitman who is sort of at the end of his rope. He's uh, the hitman in question is obviously Pierce Brosnan. Um, he's at the end of his rope, and he, uh, while on a on a job in Mexico City, stumbles into Greg Kinnear, who is this salesman. Basically, at the end of his rope, he and his wife, played by Hope Davis. Uh, have had a really bad run of the cards. Um, so he uh, and his partner, uh, played by Adam Scott, are trying to close this this deal in Mexico. Um, and uh, while that's happening, he meets Pierce Brosnan at a, at a hotel bar. Shenanigans ensue. Pierce Brosnan tells him what he does. They sort of, he, Pierce kind of latches onto him because he's like the only person he's basically ever been honest with. Um, and it kind of goes from there. And I think it's, I caught this movie, I want to say maybe about a year after it came out, it was, and maybe this is why Shane Black sticks in my head because I feel like I caught this movie at the same time that I caught Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm. And cause that movie had kind of like a DVD shelf life, VOD type shelf life thing where like it started to pop up and word of mouth. People were like, Oh, this is like this great playful little movie. And this movie um, popped up for me as like a recommendation. And I remember being either, you know, I don't know, at like a Walmart or a Best Buy or wherever. And like just seeing the DVD and being like, oh, that movie. And like, I just grabbed it and brought it home and like watched it. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty playful. I think there are certain parts of it uh, reportedly, you know, the the initial cut was, I think, Oh, closer to two hours or a little over two hours. This movie's a pretty tight, like in around 90 minutes. Um, yeah. But um, I I definitely liked it more when I saw it in like 05, 06, but I think it still, I think it still works for me. I think especially as like, I would still show this movie to people if they wanted to see like a really good Pierce Brosnan showcase. Yeah. I mean, there are things in it that are tough, like a running bit about him, just like he likes having sex with, young teenagers that's kind of yeah yeah, yeah. hard to deal with i that mean i something. suppose he's he's meant to be deranged you know, kind of deranged but it plays so, it it's, okay. you're right because it, it plays it for humor and you're like sure it plays it very light which i wanted to bring up not to go back to laws of attraction but speaking of bad bits there is a <laughs> recurring weather channel bit in laws of attraction that is it's impossible like and I often wonder, like, when they do these test screenings, was that just the most, was that just the easiest 
bit they could keep in because there's a bit where basically <laughs> she's upset. She always watches the weather channel and that's like played like it's a little weird, which I don't, I feel like that's common, but okay. And then at the end of the movie, they get in a cab and the cabbie's like, Oh, it's going to rain an hour. I'm a big fan of the weather channel. And they both start laughing and you're like, <laughs> okay. like, okay. do you know what I mean? It's, it's, but it's, that's, that's like it's a thing so in that weird. movie. Right. Where you're like, wow, they, they just, you know, they they bought in on the Weather Channel bit. Um, there's also a needle drop for the Gavin DeGraw song, Follow Through. Oh if you guys God. remember that one. Speaking, <laughs> actually, oh, four, hey, baby. No, oh, four, speaking, baby. No, speaking of needle drops. Uh, the Killers. The, yeah. Okay. So the Killers, which I love. And I, what I, I, a needle drop at the end of this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, random doesn't really make any sense, but I still love kind it. Kind of like the ending of The Beach, where, where it's like after this movie where reprehensible things have happened, it's like, and it's all going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. This movie, I will say, if you're going to compare the two, this movie earns it a little bit more because this movie- A little bit more. At least, more. at least basically plays like a comedy, you know? But, yeah, um, but there is a needle drop for uh, Asia's heat of the moment. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a good little fun, little whatever needle drop. But what I remember thinking is like, so do you remember in 2017 when, when John Denver was in like seven different movies? Sure. When take me home. Yeah. 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 Alien Covenant, Covenant, uh, Kingsman, Golden Circle, like just popped up in like a bunch of different things. Who could forget in Kingsman, Golden Circle? God, I just hate that movie to, to no end. But, um, but um, I was thinking, like, I remember when that happened in 17, I was like, oh, is I was like, it did, like, was it just, was the licensing cheap? So that was just, everybody just grabbed that track or whatever. And with this, uh, this same year, Heat of the Moment was also like a heavy needle drop in, and an in-joke, or not in-joke, but a bit in uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. And, oh, right, right, and right, I just right. remember thinking, like, was it just like, how did that happen? <laughs> was it just like a cheap needle drop that they could grab or whatever? You know, does did did every did, did like Kinnear Brosnan just like have a fondness for heat of the moment? They were like, let's just, well, you guys should drop it in, like whatever. Um, but it is a good. I mean, I don't know. It's I think when they when they wind up doing, he he basically recruits Greg Kinnear to help him on a hit uh, at a racetrack. Um, and they and they they intro it with a needle drop of uh, heat of the moment, which is I think kind of funny. But um, yeah, I mean the performances are great and the writing is good. I mean it's basically structured like a like a play, mm-hmm. right? I mean it's basically sure. a two act play. I have right? to it's wonder like, though. I have to wonder though if that was deliberate or if that was something that came after the fact when they were like cutting it down well, to ninety minutes. You know what I mean? I mean? Regardless, like, right? I mean yeah. you know it's it plays like that, and I think. I mean, you know, Brosnan's good in it. I mean, Michael, do you, where, where do you stand on this movie? Are you? I really you disliked. I really disliked it. This is the only one I hadn't seen of the ones we were, uh, the main ones we're focusing on. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember wanting to see this, and uh, and I remember my uh, my mom saw it, and and she was like, "No, you cannot see this." <laughs> uh, since I was wait, what what was this? Oh, it was 05. Oh, yeah. This is oh five. So uh, yeah, I was not old enough for it um and yeah no i just i i just thought this was kind of like it wasn't just the jokes about young girls i just felt like a lot of it felt a lot of very retrograde but without like the really fun cheese element of something like james bond um 
And the one sequence I'll say that I was really starting to vibe with this movie is, uh, spoiler alert, when he comes to Danny uh, after he has lost his mojo and he hangs out with his wife and Danny. And, and they just have yeah. this, there's just this great hangout vibe. There's yeah, a, that whole sequence I, is nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the best scene in the movie. Th- yeah. I think th- that's uh, the other stuff though. It's just like, I like that Pierce Brosnan is a, is a little less, you know, he's always got like a certain like bourgeoisie quality to him. And he's a little less, uh, uh, put up in this he's a little yeah. more scraggly he's a it's a little nastier and and i like like that on paper but I he's also like think punk, he's just... like punk rock pierce in this kind of he's like sure yeah but like maybe glam like or yeah, right metal. sure like, it's, sure it's sure. pretty sleazy <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why like asia and the killers feel like appropriate needle sure drops. there's like a yeah he's like he's like you and Mc... He's like Ewan McGregor from Velvet Goldmine. He's like, you know. I love that movie. So I, I yes, but okay. okay. All right. <laughs> and also I'm connecting, I'm connecting two actors to their best movie that they, that they made together. The Ghost Rider. We'll talk about yeah. that. Oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah. I forgot about that one. Not, not problematic, but still great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey man, you know. We can still like the movies, all right? Yeah. The, if if the Quinn other... if Quinn can make him seem like a good husband for five minutes in his movie, <laughs> does he though? Uh, he does. I don't know. He's barely. He's Roman absent, Polanski was a terrible honest. man. He was a terrible man before he did the terrible thing. Yeah. Okay. I, yes. Um, I mean that's not incorrect. I, okay. Anyway, anyway. Anyway. The last the last thing I was gonna say though is I do like because um, I guess just along with this same thing we're talking about. It's just that uh, th- he has such a primal sex appeal here. Like that scene where he's walking through the lobby in love, you know, yeah, in the, in the underwear and the boots, like, like and, and then he just jumps into the pool with his beat with his uh, medallo. Like, like there is just a sense of it's not Pierce that's the problem for me here at all. It's just I just feel like Shepard's kind of uh, anonymous, and I I don't know maybe that theatrical quality does get more at in the two act structure you guys are talking about gets out a little bit more why i just felt like this was just kind of rudderless for me uh kind of on both sides and then kind of that but that mid scene where um yeah where the wife is involved i was just like wait wait, where was this more of this yeah no and i think i would i i I definitely agree with that because i the reason i think the reason i liked it less on my rewatch and like i said i think I think the only way it's still really, I generally like it, but the only way it really works for me still is just as a pure showcase. Um, but, I think Greg Kinnear's pretty good too. No, no, no. I think mm-hmm. every, I think the performances are good. I think two of the things that made me kind of like this yeah. movie less is I think I might have liked this movie more if Greg Kinnear and Hope Davis felt a little bit more like real people. Like, I think the movie has a lot of fun because I, I do think, especially in that, like in that scene where he comes sure. to their house and they're all hanging out and he like, you know, he, they catch him in the lie of him lying to Greg Kinnear about his dead wife. And then Hope Davis has that great line where she's like, were you even really, are you yeah. even really a hitman? Like, what else have you lied to? And they like, they don't care that he's like a murderer. Like they kind of like want him to be no. And it's, and it's funny. Like, they're I so think that all that. works yeah. really well, <laughs> but like, I feel like that's not real and i think like i think his shenanigans and his general persona 
would maybe play even better if he was pitted against two characters that felt even more just like real and like like actual people because even even Greg Kinnear to a certain extent who he gives a really good performance but it is a comedic semi cart like Fox TV cartoon version of an everyman um does that make sense like it, it, and yeah. I think it's still really good yeah, no, I just for think sure. the whole movie itself feels a little bit like like a a cartoon kind of, uh, and not in an unenjoyable way for me, but I think you, you may, you could maybe get a little bit more out of it if you sort of tempered, uh, if you tempered their characters a little bit. The other thing I think is when you get into the third act and, and Danny helps him with, um, the hit and again, spoilers here for anybody who still wants to watch the matador, but, when Danny goes to help him with the hit um, and then he sort of, he botches it again. He can't do it. Right. And then Danny gives him that pep talk and then, and then he goes and does it. Right. But then it like, we just cut to him having done it. Um, and it's really weird. It feels really anticlimactic. Yeah. Like the, like I almost wanted, like, you know, there's this guy, Mr. Stick, who's his, who's uh, Julian, uh, Pierce Brosnan's boss and I almost I like I wanted somebody to be Mr. Stick you know like I want like you know make it like a, sure you know do like an in joke make it like another Bond actor or something or like I, I don't know whatever but like like it, it just feels weird because they just cut to like yeah problem solved and then they're on the plane and I granted that that keeps the movie lean which I totally appreciate but I feel like you could have given me you know it, the movie's already like 90 minutes. I'll take another, uh, I'll take another 10 if you're going to like give sure. me something of a third act in there uh, for sure. They almost do a twist right there Right, which too. I don't even, I don't even really hate. Like they sort of almost let you know that, <laughs> you know, maybe Danny had him kill someone uh, and it, you know, I, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I was basically I with it because I, I hadn't basically watched the movie since, <laughs> you know, Oh five, Oh six. And so I was like, in my head, I was like, Oh yeah, Greg Kinnear definitely had someone killed. Like, I remember this. And then you're watching it. You're like, Oh yeah, no, I, okay. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I think it still basically holds up, but I definitely hear like when you say it feels kind of rudderless, I can definitely feel that. Um, Cause I think it just feels like there's slightly more movie there that it should head to. And it, and it doesn't necessarily, it's like it gets there and then it just decides to end with the killers. I can't, I can't help but think of the weird detail, for instance, that Hope Davis can, like, identify his gun, and that goes nowhere. Like, that, this is in the sequence when uh, he comes to their house, and she's like, do you have a gun? Can I see it? And she's able to identify it perfectly. Well, I got the impression because Greg Kinnear told her about him, so she became, like, fascinated That's with... That's what that was? Okay. I, I, I took that to mean, like, she has been kind of from afar fascinated with Greg, you know, her husband's hitman friend. And then all of a sudden he's, he's here at the house. Like her little, yeah. I mean, her little performance is, is great. in that scene, she's also the same year. She is in. Yeah. I mean, she's, I think the three of them generally are, it's funny. Now that you mentioned the play thing, Dan, like I almost, you know, would like to see some version of this movie as, as a, as a play. Like I would just be like, (laughs) <laughs> right yeah um yeah, like a 90 minute yeah 90 minute play um so 
not too long after this, um, he makes a movie. Now, I guess, because I'm looking here. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, he makes a movie called Seraphim Falls, directed by David Von Aken, who is mostly a television director. He has not made a movie, actually, since this movie, Seraphim Falls, um, which came out, as we said before, it came out January 07, though it was running around festivals in 06. One thing we should mention with The Matador is Pierce Brosnan. It's probably the he only won a, time yeah, he won a Golden Serious Or was not, sorry, he was nominated and lost to... Well, he got um, nominated. Nominated for a Golden um, Globe. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think to, to John, to, to, um, to John Seraphim Falls. Falls was another actor, John Seraphim Falls. Um, but Seraphim Falls is a Western, uh, and this is my favorite of the four we're going to talk about, uh, I'd say. I think I like this a little bit more than Evelyn. Um, it's very simple movie, right? It's basically a guy named Gideon, played by Pierce Brosnan, is running away from a guy named Carver who is Liam and Neeson pre action. Like right. Neeson, yeah. Like right. Uh, before. Like right. Pre like right before, like the year before. Sure. And, um, you don't really know why there are these quick flashbacks were just post civil war. So late 1860s, um, in the American West, and you basically start in the mountains and wind up in the desert. And the whole movie's cat and mouse. Liam Neeson's with three other guys. He's hired them. They're basically mercenaries. One of them is the god, Michael Wincott, who loves seeing him in movies. And um, and that's the movie. It's a, it's a chase movie yeah. that's heavily it's like biblical. A, it feels right? almost I mean, like a, what this movie sure. is. Yeah, it's like and, a, um, almost like a Flannery O'Connor, like morality kind of play thing. It's, uh, yeah. Right. Um, the close, I mean, look, the closest movie that you would think of in comparison to this is Slow West, right? Which came out only mm-hmm. a few years ago, which I do not like a whole lot, though I know many like it uh, much more. Um, I, I vastly prefer this movie to, to that movie, but they're definitely of a piece. And actually, rewatching I thought a this lot did about, make me um, want to rewatch. It's funny you say that. I mean, this actually, movie isn't so. as uh, outwardly funny as the movie I'm going to mention, but I was actually thinking about Damsel, just like a. Just like a nice, like a nice title. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like really, okay. uh, really sort of focused Western. Um, yeah. But, um, but you know, so even so, Seraphim Falls, the title itself is a reference to this event at this place called Seraphim Falls in Georgia um, in the past, in which Pierce Brosnan's character and Liam Neeson's character. Um, intersected now you learn as the movie goes on that each one of them was on either side of the civil war right one was the north one was fighting for the south um and look seraphim falls itself seraphim is a reference to a legion of angels right um in kind of judeo-christian you know religion whatever you want to call it so there's a lot of shit gideon right his name you know there's a million things um, to the point that basically at the end of the and, movie, and they both no, encounter no, no. God, God and the devil right? as played yeah. by Angelica yeah. Houston, right? Or the devil, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, the, uh, yeah. So I loved all of it. I, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of rewatching, rewatching it. I was certainly curious how it would play and it played I, really well. I for agree. Me. Um, I, you, this also very similarly, I feel like, you know, it's funny, uh, Mike, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like I had like a Brosnan thing for a while too, because this movie also was one of those things that like <laughs> I was in a Best Buy or something and just like saw it. And like, I think I just, it was that thing where I just, I, I wanted to like see, see the Brosnan shot. You know what I mean? Like see the, the thing where it's like, no, this is going to be the one that people are going to be like, <laughs> oh yeah. Right. And, um, I remember thinking the last time that I watched this, which many years ago, I remember thinking that like the opening 30 is great, is like really compelling when it's just like sort of a hard cut to Brosnan running away and he gets shot and he has to do surgery on himself and cauterize the wound. Totally one of the examples I'm talking about of like, he's so good at pain um, in certain times, like where it's just, you just, when he does the sequence yeah. where he, he digs out the bullet, heats up the knife and puts it on his arm, you just, you feel all of it. And you're just like, oof, it is, it's like brutal and it's great. Um, I remember really liking that sequence and I remember really being struck and liking the end sequence um, in the desert. Same, same. Th- and, exact memory. <laughs> and, 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 but, but I, I have no memory of anything in between. And so I very much was like, oh yeah, I think it's like mostly pretty good, but like pretty boring in the middle. Like that's like kind of how I like remembered it. In my brain, the scene where uh, Liam Neeson and Michael Wincott stop at the Mormon camp um, with Tom Noonan. Um, and it's Tom Noonan, right? Is the like the the like yeah. leader yeah, of like the wagon train of, of Mormons. Um, I remember that taking up more time in the movie than I thought. So like whenever I went to the boring part of the movie in my brain, it was that part. But rewatching it again, the movie's like just over 90 minutes. It's pretty tight. Like any moment that you think it's sort of starting to drag its heels a little bit, it basically keeps moving. Um, yeah, I came, I came out of it really kind of just more, more positive on it than I, than I initially already was. Um, what did you think, Mike? I thought, I thought it was okay. I, I think, um, I, I think the, I, I'm finding your guys like comparison to, you know, something like damsel or slow West or which sister brothers, I, sister brothers might be closer to me. Cause sure. I, Cause that gets a little more horrific. Um, I think that's a little weird to me because I I think I wanted a little, I was starved for humor a little bit in this one. Like, I I think that I like some of the, uh, some of the God stuff we talked about with Angelica Houston. I like some of that survival thriller stuff. The scene right after you were talking about Connor, where he's trying to make the fire and um, he is trying to cut open a bullet. And I love how he's literally, he's poking at it. He's poking at it in a way where you think just any moment it's going to slide and just go right through yeah, his hand. Yeah, it's like clumsy and, and, and 
yeah it's uh it's just so gross like uh but really well rendered sorry i'm looking at yeah. the cast right now as, no, as, as we're talking and uh the ending so angelica houston's name at the end is louise c fair get it <laughs> Um, i was gonna i was gonna mention that that sorry i spoiled it shit i'm sorry no 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 no. no. uh, who i always took you know this is interesting i always read it as west duty was god and angelica houston's the devil west duty is credited as uh sharon who's like the ferryman oh yeah i i see this is interesting i always so her name's Lucy big spoilers Fair. for the movie, by the way. I mean, but, just but I, no, but Wes Studi, right, is is Sharon, right? Yeah. Because he, that's the river, right? I mean, that's sure. what the movie's basically there, positing, right? Yeah. But I, but I always, I don't know, and this is obviously, you know, I always took it to be like Angelica Houston could be like she's obviously the devil, in as much as they both choose the wrong thing right they choose to take you know to make the trade with her right to 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 do it but i i guess when i say god and the devil i mean yeah it is more the devil but i think the implication almost is that i guess now that i'm looking at like west studi's character the implication is that like these these men are already lost like it's done so like all it is all you're watching is sort of this they've died in the desert yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) right right um but um subtle this movie is not but what i what i liked the thing i liked the most about this movie which is kind of funny because i i reread uh stephen holden's new york times review of the film and he this is actually the thing he pointed out that he disliked about the film which i just find interesting for the majority of the movie it's posited basically that liam neeson is the bad guy and Pierce Brosnan you're sympathizing with more, right? Cause sure. he's running away and, you know, wounded. And, and then of course at the end, it's far more complicated. And in many ways, Liam Neeson is the righteous one, you know, to a degree of course, but obviously by the time we're meeting him, he's quite lost of course. And so I liked the movie's purposeful bait and switch to some degree that just speaks to the ambiguity of, you know, moral and more and immoral men. Right. I mean, like, so I just think it, to me, it's a very fully realized indie film. Right. I mean, I just think this is kind of how, you know, how you, you know, how you can make, not that he had no budget, of course. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things in here, but it's very pretty simply put together. Um, Whereas for example, something like nomads, no budget and it feels very shoddy and slapdash, you know, give or take a couple of really nice moments. This is a moment where this is a movie where it does feel fully realized. And I, I was, I was very intrigued. And I think, you know, Pierce Brosnan, when we talk about his limited range, this is, you know, it's there, there is not a joke in the movie, like you said, but I think this shaggy type of performance though it's way different than the Matador, it's in that world where it's like that thing of let's take a really handsome guy and muddle him up a bunch and see if, you know, he can act with, you know, he can get something different 
you know, it, you know, without sure. the laws of attraction hairdo. And I think he gets it here. I, I think yeah, I prefer I him. I prefer him to Liam Neeson. You know, I think Neeson's I kind of overly stoic, you know, to some degree. Um, like he gets that line that's like, nobody can protect nobody in this world. And yeah, it's hard right. for me to not, not stifle e- a yeah, laugh. <laughs> not even just, I oh, mean, totally. honestly, yeah, not even just that line. I think there are like, he, Neeson, I feel like four of Neeson's lines. And yeah. granted, in, in a movie where he has... 12 lines you know what i mean like the, the there are maybe 56 lines in this movie to like you know what i mean like there it's there's not sure. a lot of talking going on uh like four of his lines are some version of that like ain't nobody gonna help nobody like and you're just like okay man i all right and i think it is and dan to your point with with brosnan's limited range it's i think it helps him that most of his performance is silent i think he does a lot with a little here like i think you know, we've talked about this before, uh, particularly, I think, on the Kevin Costner episode, but like sometimes there's just nothing like an exhausted performance. Oh, God. And, yeah. and it's my, it's and, my, it is my favorite thing <laughs> in acting. An ability, an actor, an actor's yeah. ability to carry weight in any capacity, yeah. um, I think can be super, super impressive. And uh, I, that's what all, all this performance is, uh, particularly for for Brosnan. And I think he does. I think it's great. I think it's yeah. being, being tired on screen is one of the most interesting things I think you can do. I mean, there's something about it, you know, and this is me speaking, of course, just as a viewer, right. I just, I respond. So, I mean, look, it's why I think, you know, Al Pacino's performance in insomnia is one of his best performances. I mean, you know, when you can build a story, and add exhaustion, it gives another layer in many, most of the time to the performance. Um, Part of the reason I like Joaquin Phoenix so much. In, yeah. Uh, and and see, even some of his earlier roles, you know. Oh, he actually, sorry, he's the one who beat Brosnan for the Golden Globe that year, by the way. Gla- oh, for Walk, Walk the Line. Oh, Walk the Walk Line. The line. He, was walking yeah. Lines. Yeah, he was walking lines. He was walking lines, lines all over the Matador. Yeah. yeah, he was walking the line. Um, so. The last movie we'll talk about directly is Married Life, directed by Ira Sachs. But before that, I'll quickly mention um, Shattered, as it was released here in the States. It was called Butterfly on a Wheel in other countries. So this movie, it's him, Pierce Brosnan, it's Jared Butler, and it is Maria Bello. And I'm just going to tell you the whole thing real quick because it's insane. The (laughs) premise of the movie is, it's a thriller. And the premise of the movie is Gerard Butler and Maria Bella are married. Um, Gerard Butler is a businessman who um, is a hotshot. And really early on, their daughter is kidnapped by Pierce Brosnan. But it's basically like the babysitter is working with Pierce Brosnan and has kidnapped the kid and Pierce Brosnan is with the couple and the, and for 24 hours, he is like, you're mine for 24 hours. You have to do everything I say. And he makes him do all this crazy stuff because like what he has their, he has their daughter. Like, well, like some of it's not crazy, right? The first thing he does is they take out all the money they have, but then he burns all the money and throws it over a bridge. Right. And then they like go to a fancy New York restaurant and he's eating steak and he's like, I don't have any money. You're going to have to go find $300 so that we can pay for this meal. So like they have to go out and like get $300 to pay for the meal. And then it gets like more serious where it's like 
they have to get a file and and then Maria Bello, Bello has to deliver it to Pierce to uh Gerard Butler's work and then you realize that what she gives them is evidence that Gerard Butler did something illegal and it was actually the competitors building you know like like stuff like that right and like there's nothing they can do about it and basically what you find out in this movie currently on Prime Amazon Prime you can watch it right now I would say just listen to this instead. But <laughs> basically what you find out is um, the last thing Pierce Brosnan has Gerard Butler do is kill somebody, right? He like they go, they wind up at somebody's house and he's like, okay, you got to kill this woman. You got to kill the person in this house. And when Gerard Butler goes into the house, he realizes it's the house of his mistress that he's sleeping with that Maria Bella doesn't know about that he works with. And when he goes into the house to kill the woman that he's sleeping with, that isn't his wife, he sees a photo of Pierce Brosnan and realizes that Pierce Brosnan is this woman's husband. And this what? is all like a revenge. But, <laughs> hang on, but I'm not, but I'm not done, but I'm, but I'm not done. Okay. Then, they get out of it. Um, you know, it, it ends up, you know, nobody dies. Like Pierce Brosnan comes to his senses or something like that, right? Maria Bello and Gerard Butler in the car. Maria Bello is like, who was that? He lies to her. And then they get back to their house and their daughter's there and safe. And then what you find out is that Maria Bello orchestrated all of it as a punishment. <laughs> as a punishment for her cheating husband. So the daughter was never kidnapped. She was in cahoots with Pierce Brosnan the whole time. And it was all to make Pierce, to make Gerard Butler feel her pain for one day. What about That's the like money? Line. Like what? the money is fit. It was like, uh, it was, it was like a thousand dollars and it was like a, it wasn't like they burned paper. And plus a thousand, you know what I mean? It was like not all their money. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's sure. really uh, sure. sweaty. It's, it's I think I need a, a nap. Sweaty. I think yeah. Yeah. What? That is that's the movie. It's like it's the old double twist. You watch out for the old double twist. The old double twist. Um, shockingly not released wide in the states. Um, but that same year, wait, what was well, Pierce Brosnan's motivation to? Do this because he was mad, mad at his wife. Okay, well, okay, no, he was mad at his wife. All right, and then you also said there's a babysitter. Yeah, like the babysitter was just a babysitter. Like okay. that was a lie. Like she, the okay. the girl was fine. It was you know, is the old twenty four hour babysitter. You know, like the old twenty four hour babysitter. It's totally yeah. normal. <laughs> sure. Um. <laughs> so. All right. Cool. <laughs> married, married life. Uh, now, Michael, I'll say you discussed potentially doing that movie for a, one of our B sides, and so we did it. But I watched it, so I feel like you owe me ninety two minutes of I don't know, I don't know, because because you're very you're like I think he like, owes you a thousand dollars plus. Michael paper was like, what about fire. what about Shattered? And I was like, you know what? I've always meant to watch this movie, and I watched it, and I was like. Dan to get uh, revenge on him. Are fault. you gonna kidnap his kid and <laughs> it's my own fault. Make him I didn't of all his money and I didn't recommend any of the later stuff. So you, we were we were <laughs> tweeting the different because Pierce is now he makes a lot of 
you know, uh, you know, bad a movies, lot of VOD yeah. type of movies. I, I we were, urge. <laughs> I wa- dude, I watched IT. Let me tell you, I watched IT from the director of Behind Enemy Lines. Oh shit! <laughs> Do you think IT? They were just hoping with that title. They were like, maybe we'll just get spillover it, from people it. like people yeah. just google it this will come up they'll be like this is good enough like- <laughs> it it is basically um you remember that movie fear from the mid 90s with mark Wahlberg and yes. with a spoon? it's basically fear but the but the the scary obsessed you know crush is an it guy from pierce brosnan's work who's like obsessed with the daughter oh great yeah <laughs> yep. Yep. Um anyway, married life. Um Iris Sachs, good director, made a lot of interesting movies. Uh Life is scripts. Strange and Little Men most recently. Right, Little Men, Life is Strange, um, Turn the Lights or on. No, wait, Love is Strange. Love is Strange, not Life is Strange. Love is Strange. That's Life yeah. Strange is a game. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep the keep the lights on. Um yeah, definitely an interesting filmmaker. Um, from a screenplay by Orrin Moberman, another mm-hmm. interesting, another interesting uh, filmmaker. I, I actually, I, I like Rampart. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I like The Messenger. Yeah, and I, and I also liked I like Time Out of Mind. He's made he's made some interesting movies. Um, so anyway, script from him, directed by Iris Uh Basically, kind of crimes and misdemeanors, right? I mean, this is Pierce Brosnan, Chris Cooper, Patricia Clarkson, Rachel McAdams. Um, Chris Cooper is married to Patricia Clarkson, but having an affair with Rachel McAdams. And Chris Cooper's best friend, though this is never really sold well, I didn't think, but is Pierce Brosnan. And we're in kind of the Mad Men days, right? The 50s. And Cooper is convinced if he leaves his wife pat patricia clarkson she'll fall apart so he can't do it though all he wants to do is leave her for rachel mcadams who is you know rachel mcadams and um he convinces himself he has to kill her but what's interesting about the movie is it's narrated by pierce brosnan in this kind of omniscient not omniscient but like retroactive reflective sort of way which I does I do think helps the movie quite a bit um, because it adds an element of kind of not whimsy but like you know constant like what's the right word I'm looking for you know memory right I mean it's, sure. he's telling the story it's kind subjective. of like yeah he's basically saying like it the tone is helped because he's like can you believe this story sure right? um, which I liked I thought the narration was quite good which is funny because we were talking about. I've, you know, narration a bit in the last episode in reference to the beach. Yeah. And how it felt kind of lazy and abandoned. In this this time around with Married Life, I felt like it added something. But anyway. I um, I kind of disagree. Ahead. But we'll, yeah, get, I to, thought we'll you get to would. We'll get to it in Well, a you tweeted about it. I was, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, thought yeah. you I kind of disagree. But, but um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I saw it many years ago. Um, And, you know, I think there's a lot of movies like this. Obviously, Crimes and Misdemeanors, I mentioned Husband and Husbands and Wives is... Little different consenting a consenting adults. Um, That's another movie. One of the only classic Woodies I don't like. Crimes well, and misdemeanors. Crimes and misdemeanors. Oh really? Oh yeah. really? Yeah, I love yeah. crimes and misdemeanors. Yeah, it does nothing for me. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Match Point, which is another Woody movie from uh, the and from, actually yes. from from 05, which I 
I actually prefer match point to crimes and misdemeanors, but um, I digress. Um, what, what do we think about this movie? I, I enjoyed it. Mike, what'd you think? I had seen this earlier and I remember thinking it was okay. I really liked this one. I, I rewatched it the other day and um, yeah, Dan, I, I, I think that what I just really like about this is, is Richard is just such is such an unreliable, but also just kind of such a, a devilish narrator. Like, like the way I like that there's like a certain sense of uh, like noir luxury to the way that it kind of tells the story. I think the way um, uh, Patricia Clarkson, I think in particular is a very interesting character in the sense of uh, one, how she's a, a flip of the usual, like, you know, she's not the archetype of like a shrew or being frigid or anything like she is emotionally cold, but she will have sex with him. Like, like that's just an interesting idea detail to me that uh, she was physically uh, there and like just the, the mutual sense of respect that these two people gave, give to each other. Uh, I, th I think the ending's a little neat, but I was, I, after being like, this was an okay movie from the 2000s, I was like, this was, uh, this is much better than I remembered. Um, so this is probably the, the one I like the most of the four we've talked about, but it's still not, it's still not amazing. But I, I think there's a, there's a lot in here and I'm surprised it hasn't been maybe not reclaimed, but just, uh, just talked about in the same way that we talk about some of these retro pastiches like far from heaven or yeah. um even down far from heaven's a, gr a great uh, far from heaven's a great example because i do think this movie has like a douglas sirk quality to it yes um, which and is I really love douglas yeah, sirk so maybe yeah, that's is, catnip it's, for it's, me. it's no, no it's really it's really enjoyable i mean the narration i'm not really down with only because i just think i don't need it throughout i think you can kind of tag it on the beginning and maybe tie it up at the end and that's enough for me. There's a there are things throughout for me that feel a little bandaidish that I just I don't know. I don't know if I need and and granted, I'll I'll say that you know take that with a grain of salt because obviously somebody says something in narration and then you go as a viewer. I don't know if I needed that because I know that, but it's like, okay, sure. do I, do I know that only because you just said it to me in narration and I'm now in retrospect filled with that knowledge and <laughs> thinking about that moment without narration, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's absolutely, it's, I, so I, I'll give, I'll give this movie that like I, as I was watching it, I couldn't help but think like, I wish this movie would just let me think for myself a little bit uh, in regards to the narration. But at the same time, it did, it didn't really harm the movie for me in any significant way. Um, I still, I, I, I too really liked it. I think it is probably the best of the four that we've talked about. Um, I also think that there's something to, um, I don't know. I, I think it uses its four leads pretty well. And I will say I kept constantly thinking like, who should this be in this role instead, particularly with Cooper and Brosnan. I kept yeah. thinking like, did yeah, they don't ever seem like friends. Right, right. And that's, I don't even, yeah. the thing is, is like, I yeah. don't even know, this is the weird problem. And I haven't, uh, it's based on a book called- Five uh, Roundabouts to Heaven. Yeah. To Heaven by John Bingham. And I, I have not read the book. I don't know if maybe the book sells this a little differently 
or they're only friends because that's the way the book describes them. Um, but I feel like you can make them just work friends or something and the movie would still function relatively fine. You know, like I don't think you need them to be, um, these like childhood friends, the way, the way they kind of describe it. Um, but I do love that. I do have to admit you couldn't have that scene at the spoilers for married life, I guess at the end where he walks in on, uh, Kay and richard and he's just like i've lost everything tonight and i actually think he sells what could be an incredibly corny line i no no no. that's that's a really that's a really really good example because i kept thinking the movie kept proving me wrong i think because i i was watching it i i had not seen it before so this is my first time watching it and i kept watching it thinking like clarkson felt right mcadams felt right Um, and I just kept thinking like between Cooper and Brosnan, like who else it should be. And then every time I thought that something would happen that I'd be like, I don't know if it could be like anybody else. The closest I came with Brosnan is I think it needed to be someone funnier. Hmm. Like I think it needed to be someone that was a little bit more, uh, like in my mind, my mind went to like a Clooney. Or something like that. Like somebody, sure. somebody that that when caught in the middle, especially when Brosnan, uh, you know, he catches Patricia Clarkson in the throes with David Wenham, who's like this, like you know, other do is he like in the town also? Is that no? <laughs> he's part of their. He's like a, he's another member of their like marriage sure. group, marriage friend group, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that whole scene is great, especially because of how candid it is. They're very much like, you got us. Let's talk about it, right? Like, Sure. It, it's it's all really nice. I just think a little reactions here and there might have been better from somebody. You know, like you could get that. You know, I agree. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's better well, at, at an I, eye roll than George Clooney. You know what I mean? And so like yeah, if you plug something I, like that in there, it might, it might vibe a little more, I think. But I will say, I mean – I think Brosnan does a again. We've talked about his his limited range. I think he does a a really good job. I think he's right in his zone. I think his handsomeness works like wonders, mainly because <laughs> I do think the McAdams thing is kind of gross. Like she's so much younger than both of them, and obviously her being with Chris Cooper feels weird in that regard on its own. And the movie wants you to feel that way anyway. So that feels okay to me, but Brosnan also still feels too old for her. And the only thing that really kind of sells it for me is the fact that like, well, he is Pierce Brosnan. Like, he, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, well, he is just so handsome. Like you couldn't do like Richard yeah. Jenkins, for instance. No, like, exa- uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like the only other person I thought of who would have, who also would have been, uh, even older and and too old but maybe if he was a more age appropriate is like if you could have squeezed like a more age appropriate robert redford in there or something oh. um Jude Law, maybe maybe too young though i don't know i it, but something like that like i guess in that case yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't sell him and chris cooper as as uh, childhood as friends, childhood friends yeah, for sure yeah, yeah. maybe maybe just buddies or something but uh, yeah i was jude law crossed my mind too clive owen was another one i thought of uh. um you know, um, and again, yeah. I don't want to, I really don't want to discredit Brosnan. I think he does a fine job. Um, but it, that was the thing I really couldn't, um, 
I, I couldn't really get out of my head because I, I just don't think he's funny enough. I think, I think also the VO to your point, Dan, while it is kind of whimsical and adds an element to it that lightens things up, it's almost the kind of thing you imagine, like this movie has the tone you imagine a movie like Road to Perdition would have had if it was closer to the book. Um, Are you hmm. Road to Perdition or Revolutionary Road? Oh, sorry, sorry. Revolutionary Road. That's what I meant. Thank yeah. you. Um if it was closer to the book, it just, I, I think with this, with the VO, I wish it, if it was there, I wish it was funnier. Like I wish it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, look, crimes and misdemeanors, you know, Michael, you were saying you're not a big fan of it. I think, you know, a thing that perhaps elevates that movie in my mind, at least from a movie like this is, you know, you know, obviously look, problem, problematic filmmakers aside, right? Sure. Woody Allen's presence in that movie helps because he is, you know, the chorus of the picture and his reacting to Martin Landau's downfall yeah. inherently adds a light touch, even though that movie is quite dark, right? So like to Connor's point, I think it is a good one. You want that lighter touch to kind of soften. You know, like for example, and look, this is kind of, I mean, it's funny. This is something Iris X kind of, I think, and Orrin Moverman, they make movies that are like this. The dog dies in the middle of the movie and the movie doesn't really care. And that yeah. is that's representative of like I think the world that they that these two filmmakers, writer and director in this case, play in. I mean, yeah. kind of a hard, cynical world, sure, even, yeah. you know, no matter what their movies are. And he's trying to kill her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah. Right. And, you know, and I think it's just I, I can tell why this movie didn't explode. Um, I agree because of that limit, you know, not limited because of that. Um, Modesty. You know, it's a hard touch. Yeah, it's a hard touch. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I think it's an honest hard touch, and I think um, you can you can kind of see budget's twelve million, which is, I mean, you know, like yo, that's a lot for this movie. Right. You know where I mean? did it? You know, where did it go? I guess it is a period piece, so there's that. Like that's yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean there. Yeah, the yeah, cast is small though, or like in the crew is yeah, small. Yeah, I mean, like you yeah, watch they're the definitely keeping it. There, yeah, there are whole just, shots though where they go to like whatever it is the the dining club that they lunch at or whatever. Yeah, like, that's true. That's a full. You see a full shot of that room. You know what I mean? Like that's a full. That that is fully dressed. You know, so there's definitely. I mean, um, I, it does look like money was spent, but I do agree that does it still feels like I, I think. Honestly, and it, I think it, it speaks to how much even, you know, smaller filmmaking has changed from like 08 to now, just in 10 years. Like, yeah, if this movie gets made met now, maybe outside of whatever people's salaries are, like it costs half as much. Oh, yeah. Has um, Ira for, made for another sure. movie that's 12 million dollars? Because I I wouldn't think no, so. I don't think so. No, no, no. no. Yeah. yeah, I certainly don't think so. Um, So just to kind of put a button on kind of this period we're talking sure. about, only four months later, he's in Mamma Mia. Um kind of like ambassador for his singing in that movie and it's kind of funny we didn't mention this in evelyn he's a singer no oh no i I actually wrote this so there is a line he's a bar room he's a bar room singer there is a line in evelyn because i i don't think he's a very good singer and i don't think i don't think he's that good at evelyn and it's like there's the line where his father says uh desi has a fine voice like you know like an angel (laughs) or or whatever on the banks of the roses we love the nice are down and I took out my fiddle for to play me love a tune In the middle of the tune, you know, she sighed and she said Ah, oh, Johnny, lovely Johnny, would you leave me? 
and I'm just I re- I wrote this as I was thinking it, like watching the movie. I was like, this dude has not seen Mamma Mia. Like it's like no, no way. Yeah. It works better in Evelyn because it's like he's a drunk he's a drunk Irish. Right. I'm sure to, I'm know, sure if you're drunk, drunk at, Irish, you know. Yeah, like, if you're if you're drunk at the bar listening to, you know, handsome Pierce Brosnan sing some tunes or whatever, you're probably like, sure. Yeah, right? toss him a yeah, you yeah. toss him a coin. Right. But um, you know, Mamma Mia is is a big, you know, fairly surprising hit. Um that I do think kind of spurs, you know, the full-on character actor period of his life, which he's still in the throes of. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I think he's fine in Mamma Mia. I think his role in the sequel fun, yeah. is even more interesting now. Like the fact yeah, that I like the sequel more. The I don't know sequel how we feel is so, it. it is strange. It is a strange yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. I just think it leans in. Like, I think, I think the sequel to Mamma Mia is a kind of a good example of taking the right things away from the first movie. You know, so often when you make sequels, you kind of double down on the things that's you're basically doubling down on the things that seem obvious. Sure. But it becomes redundant where I do think like Meryl Streep as God. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, but I think what, I guess what I mean is mama Mia was a big hit, but I think it was, it was kitsch, right? Like sure. People had fun with it in the way that people have fun with ABBA. And this is not meant to be a backhanded compliment. Like truly, People love the musical. People love ABBA. Like, yeah, ABBA was. They're not necessarily taken seriously, and th- that's not meant to be snobby, right? I'm literally saying like it's fun. Right? Yes, and it's, it's meant to be a good time. It's just yeah, yeah, it's meant to be yeah. fun. And I think people had fun with Mamma Mia, and I think the smart move of Mamma Mia, here we go again, is they were like, let's lean into that. Well, like, it's like it's like Magic it Mike XXL. It's like the same exactly. Kind of thing. It's, it's exactly like, yeah. like Magic. Ex- yeah. Perfect example. It's not it, as good, now, but yeah. <laughs> it's not as good, and and but it's more successful, right? Magic Mike XXL didn't do as well, but but um, I do think it's an interesting example of a sequel working um, in that way. Percy Jackson, who could forget uh, the Olympians, the Lightning Thief? Me and Jordan Raup, I think, spent a month having fun with the title of that movie. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, colon, the Lightning Thief. I thought you were going to say spent a month watching it for a second. Like we just like, like the, there was it's a kind month of like, just... it's like the joke about the uh, legend of the guardians, Owls of Gahul. Yeah. Where you could just like make it Owls of Gahul, legend of the guardians, legends of the Gahul guard. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like that, like Percy Jackson and the lightning thief, the Olympians. Anyway, um, the same, the next week he's in, I think his best movie, probably the best movie he's ever been in. February 2010, The Ghost Rider, directed by Roman Polanski, um, starring Ewan McGregor and and uh, Pierce Brosnan. And I think I I'm gonna say this is my favorite Pierce Brosnan uh, performance. Um, I think he's fully supporting. He is playing into everything about Pierce that works. He. He's this, you know, he's basically the ex-prime minister of England, of the UK, and he's writing his autobiography, and his ghostwriter mysteriously dies, and Ewan McGregor is the new ghostwriter. And it's just, the Brosnan performance is so schneid and shitty, but he is charming, and he is funny, 
and he's cheating on his wife with Kim Cattrall. You know what I mean? And there's all this other stuff going on and it's so cynical. And I just think he's not even in too much of the movie. He's basically got three scenes or so, but I really think what he gets, you know, what he gets out of those scenes is so impressive. Um, I also think it's one of Ewan McGregor's best performances. I mean, I love, I, I, I really love the ghostwriter. It's, it's a movie I've seen many times i think it's kind of one Dan, of, did you and movie. i see it together in buffalo I, i'm sure we did i'm I, sure I we, like did. we did yeah i i've i've watched it uh you know 10 times you know it's 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 very um it's like a comfort movie for me which is kind of weird i absolutely love the ending um anyway i just wanted to kind of i do that. the last shot is great yeah is i would great. just recommend uh seeking that out it's just a it's a great yarn i mean yarn, it is the definition of a yarn you know what i mean just a fun like slick little thriller um and he's made a bunch of movies since like we said he's kind of gone into vod world a little bit a couple highlights um we mentioned i don't know how she does it love is all you need suzanne beer movie from 2013 kind of a good small role in the world's end um i watched a couple 2014 movies the love punch and a long way down which are kind of sitcom-y uh, movies long way down is an adaptation of a Nick Hornby novel. Mm. Um, it's not quite good. I read the novel a long time ago. It's I, I read the novel as Hornby, well. I, I Hornby's remember it's hard liking, to adapt. I think. Yeah. I remember liking the novel. Um, yeah. and I think again, yeah, I think Hornby's hard to adapt unless you kind of divorce yourself from it a little bit. Like, I mean, I think that's why high fidelity works. I think it, it, it and about a boy as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you know, it, uh, I, I have not seen the movie, but I remember liking the... Uh... Um, now, a movie called No Escape, action movie from August 2015, got a lot of flack because it's, you know, uh, you know, white people escaping a foreign country, you know, where nobody cares about the actual, you know, native people being, you know, it's... I've heard this is a the, good exploitation film. It is. Uh, that's what I was getting to. I, oh, I enjoy it quite a Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I you ruined it. <laughs> no, no. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, it's, it's problematic, I suppose, in as much as the setup, you know, leaves a bit to be desired. But as an action picture, it's, it's very fun. Lake Bell, uh, Owen Wilson, and uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, yeah, I like that movie a little bit. Um only Living Boy in New York is a is a quite bad indie movie uh, directed by Mark Amazing Spider-Man Webb. Um, and The Foreigner, which is kind of also a fun programmer kind of a movie. It's That's Campbell, it's Pierce, isn't it? Yeah, Martin Campbell, The Reunion, and uh, it's uh, Jackie, Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Based on a based on a novel called The Chinaman. So oh, wow. uh, you gotta change that title, baby. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And um Mama Mia, here we go again, just came out in 2018, and he's currently in that AB, AMC show, The Sun, oh, which is yeah. finishing its second season. I believe it's last season. So, I mean, the dude's got a lot on his plate. Like we said, he's, he produces, right? Irish Dream Time. You know, he's an environmentalist, right? I mean, you know, he's very, you know, he's got a lot going on. Um, I think, you know, it's one of these things looking at his filmography – like it's funny to think about what you'd want him to do. I mean, truly, I guess I've never really wanted a person who played Bond, uh, 
to a cameo in a, like a new Bond movie. Same. Because it feels a little shitty. Though obviously there was that, you know, when when Skyfall came out, there was that rumor going around that, that they kind of like quietly offered the role of the, was it the housekeeper? Is the, Albert, is the Albert Finney the, role, yeah. Yeah, they uh, yeah. quietly they quietly offered it to Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, I mean... Brosnan so isn't beloved enough, I think, to to do Yeah, that, I guess though. as as you mean as Bond, you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I mean, I, you know, I think it's interesting, like the November Man, which is also Martin Campbell, I believe. Or no, Roger Donaldson. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Um The November Man, I think Connor did I think me and you definitely saw it together. Yeah, that was one sure. we were excited about because that feels like if you want your pierced you know, old Bond movie. It's something like the November Man. Unfortunately, that's quite a schlocky uh, movie. But um, it's got Luke Bracy, man. Ugh, that's Who? like one of the problems. Luke Who? Bracy's. The no, I know. Exactly. It's I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Luke Point Break remake Bracy. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know what I want from him necessarily. I think you know he's in this part of his career where, you know, the Love Punch, for example, is basically him and Emma Thompson doing fun with Dick and Jane. And they have really good chemistry. The movie's just a little, you know, like, you know, easy jokes, right? I mean, you know, and it's sure. kind of it's kind of a shame because you got the two of them together and they're they're mining some nice moments, but as a movie it doesn't really work. But that's kind of the stuff you you kind of want to see, right? Like Sure. I like him and Mama Mia in that way that we were talking I, about. I would love He's to see quite charming. Yeah, I would love to see another slightly more like him having fun, like off the rails kind of role. Maybe not obviously as like raunchy as the Matador, but I would love to see him turn up in like a in like a big blockbuster as a like a Bond villain. Like I would love to see, um, you know, maybe not a Fast and Furious movie, but like. I would love to see him in like a, you know, honestly do a, do it like a straight up, not, you know, not crossover per se. Mission just, Impossible. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to say. Give him like oh. a, give him like, make him like the IMF director or make him like, That's you know, a make him idea. like a, 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 a Vanessa Redgrave type, you know, like give him a, yeah, give him, um, you know, a, a, nice, bro, a Brosnan cruise scene. I did. I'm it. Right. Doesn't that just sound like the best? It's like, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously up there with Pacino and De Niro and Heat, just the <laughs> two giants. <laughs> I was gonna say either give me, give me, bro. It's not, bro. It's not eighty-eight oh, minutes. It's it. righteous kill. <laughs> oh, damn it! Get your shitty, get your <laughs> shitty Pacino movies right. Uh, but I would say, um, same director, by the way. I just want to say that. Oh, same director. That feels eighty-eight right. minutes <laughs> in righteous kill. Anyway. Uh, no, but I just think that he, if, if not, uh, if not that, give me like a nice, give me like an Ireland movie with him and Colin Farrell or some shit. Like, I don't, you know, like give me, Ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, something like that. I, I, to your point, Dan, I don't know. He, you know, again, his range is limited. I don't even know how much I need to ask him to do as an actor. I think, uh, I certainly appreciate the big swings that he's taken, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I, what about you, Mike? Anything? Anything jumps out of you well, that I'm, you I'm, need? I'm cheating because I looked at what he was doing. He's doing next. He's got a Rennie Harlan movie. Uh, oh, of course, naturally. 
But the other weird thing is he is one of the top builds in the next film written by Lana Glazer from Broad City. Oh, interesting. With Sophia Bush, Justin Theroux, and Pierce Brosnan. And then uh, he's got another Martin Campbell project coming up. Oh, I wanted to talk about this. He, the Martin Campbell, that project is called Across the River and Through the Trees. Yes, Into. Into the Trees, sorry. How and it is you. an adaptation of the Ernest Hemingway novel. Oh. Which, which it was one of his later novels that was Last critically full length rev- in his lifetime. Yeah, it was critically reviled. People did not like it. People thought, I think at the time it was kind of a cash grab. It's basically kind of a war hero goes into the woods to die kind of thing. That's the, you know, the general setup, mm-hmm. you know, really uplifting stuff, you know, normal Hemingway, <laughs> um, you know, just kind of joyful, uh, you know, easygoing. Um, but I don't know. I think, so I guess I'm glad you actually brought that up because it's in, when you look at IMDb, it says it's in pre-production. I would love for that to get made because that's, that's a project where you say to yourself, a capable director, Martin Campbell, mm-hmm. and a guy like Pierce Brosnan. I mean, that feels like a movie that could work, right? You just like, you get really down and dirty with it. You make, because, you know, look, I've I've read the book, and it's a short book, and it's certainly not one of Hemingway's, you know, masterpieces, but it's one of those things where you go back and you read it, and you're like, this is, there's some great stuff in here. You know what I mean? Like, sure. making a movie of it um i think is is a great idea so i'm certainly excited and hopeful that that actually happens um so i guess that's i mean yeah you cheated and i'm happy you did because that's definitely one uh that's definitely one i want to see happen i i would like to see pierce in a uh yeah no you know what i want to see him in a nancy meyer uh, a nancy myers movie has he not been in a nancy myers movie no, amazingly but, no but that, that feels that feels right you want to see him in a nice, well-lit kitchen. Yes, exactly. Talking about croissants and donuts. I, I'm waiting for that new Nancy Myers. Where, where, where's that at? I don't want her daughter's I know, movie. We, that, I know. I was going to say, I think we might just start getting <laughs> Haley, Haley Shire Myers, dude. I want the next, I want the next Char, Charles Shire movie. I'm, I'm out here defending the Alfie remake all alone on, on this hill. All alone, is anybody with me? No, I'm getting attacked from every side. Um, (laughs) You are giving too much credit to people remembering the Alfie remake. (laughs) Never forget, dude. Now, I will say this. I did not get around to watching this, um, though it's available on Hoopla. There is the uh, Robinson Crusoe movie that Pierce Brosnan made around the same time he made Grey Owl. Yeah. It's just kind of an interesting, you know, curio. Um, so I would just mention that as well. And we didn't mention Dante's Peak, did we? Yeah, we did earlier. Uh, the, uh, the initial Donaldson. Yes. Uh, yeah, the initial the first co- collab. And uh, yeah, I mean, so I think let's hope Across the River happens. I think him being in a Mission Impossible movie would be great. Hey, they're making two right now. Just yeah, pop them in. in. Put them in it as like my now. Granted, nothing's come out about those movies, but my hope is that like the first movie is set in the '60s, and then the second movie (sighs) is about the repercussions of that first movie. But obviously, 
they would never do that because no. they can't put Tom Cruise in both movies. <laughs> but um, but I just think that that would be fucking awesome. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, put Brosnan in, in like. I think you're just them. describing the Kingsman. Yeah, something like yeah. Right. No. That, that, that's it. Uh, <laughs> All right, right, now that I'm sad, let's, let's just, finish this thing. Yeah, let's not even close it out. Just right. stop recording right now. Michael, where can people find you, my uh, friend? You can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. I'm on Letterboxd. I try to write at least a few words about most things. Um, and I'm on the, the other Film Stage uh, podcast, the Film Stage show. We'll be talking about the Hobbs and the Shaws uh, this weekend. Yeah, I just in my review for Hobbs yes. and Shaw just posted today, which I liked Hobbs and Shaw. I liked it. Spoiler for my review. Um, Vanessa Kirby is a movie star. That's kind of the big takeaway from from Hobbs and Shaw. Um, nice. How's That's Idris nice as the villain? Idris is good. I, I kind of mentioned in the review he's kind of limited just because I think with those big movies – you have to choose who you want to yeah. kind of give the good anymore. lines to. Yeah. And uh, they, they kind of obviously choose. I mean, it's two, literally two against one, you know? So um, that's kind of a shame. Though it just does, you know, he's just generally a welcome presence. Um, it's just the running joke is that he just he can't get a good movie role for his life. <laughs> But yeah, like he's he kind of so in the John. Yeah, he's in the John Ham trajectory, kind of where yeah, in supporting roles, he's very good. But you kind of waiting for him to get the big, starring movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of its own little interesting subplot, I suppose, in that movie. Um, and then yeah, for me, uh, you can read my reviews on the film stage. If you're listening, I most likely also have the review of that movie. The Art of Racing the Rain, which is a oh, dog wow. and racing movie that I'm reviewing for the film stage, and Hobbs and Shaw. And you can find me on Twitter at DJ Mecca and on Letterboxd as well, where I watch a lot of Pierce Brosnan movies recently. And um, Connor, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Scruffy Looking. And uh, yeah, my byline pops up on the film stage or uh, any episode of this, this wonderful podcast. And definitely check out the film stage shows episode review on once upon a time, once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, Brian, very Swen, good. The Brian stage Swen, writer, yeah, great guest. Yeah. yeah got a He's definitely wonder one to bring back. Um, really interesting talking points. I tend to agree, Michael, with your take on the movie. Um, generally I think I'm kind of, I'm most mixed ser- spoiler alert. search. Yeah. I'm, I'm searching <laughs> I'm searching for my love of the movie as we speak still, but um, I hope to find it one day. Um, and that's it. I think we were thankful for Pierce. Yeah. And that Irish, that Irish broke. And uh, Connor, why don't you send us off? I had, so I had a couple for this one. All right, um, we'll do them. Just do them. Yeah, all. I don't know. Look, Fuck it's it. it's just uh, <laughs> may we all be judged by a jury of our Pierce. <laughs> You had a couple? What was the other one? Uh, it was something. It was a play on bras and bros. That was going to be another one. Uh, you know. I don't know. Wow, you really set that up? And then. Yeah, they're just. They're not all. I'll cut it out. It's fine. They're not all going to be. No, good. we're keeping, we're it, keeping in. it all in. We're we just, love I'm you slowly all. slowly fade this out. All right. Um, and-